Hi, I'm Noah Hardwick from Indie Vision Music, and joining me today is Chase Tremaine. If you visited JesusFreakHideout.com in the last few years, you might recognize that name. Chase is part of their music review team, as well as the host of the JFH podcast. Uh, Chase, is there any other websites that you write for besides Jesus Freak Hideout? Uh, there has been. I've, uh, I've freelanced a lot over the years. I've had different blogs as well. Um, I really love posting movie reviews uh, to, <laughs> to my uh, um, profile at letterbox.com. And then I recently just started uh, chasetremaine.com, which sounds super self-congratulatory, um, but I plan on using that primarily to review albums and concerts uh, that happen here in the Nashville area. Cool. So we're not actually here to talk about your reviewing, though. We're here to, to talk about your new music coming out. Um, you just released a new single titled Matter. Can you tell me a little bit about that song? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, so I, my church about a year ago had a season of talking about mission and what our involvement will be in the community. And for some people that might be going overseas or to a completely different part of the country, but there's also just mission in terms of where God has you right now and where he's placed you in your job, in your neighborhood. And there is a calling in the, uh, this is going to be a kind of a long roundabout way of getting to matter. Um, but kind of asking everyone to call, like, what are you planning on doing? Like what, what is the, the do look like in your life in terms of living missionally? And that for me landed during a season where I had just finished um, like a half semester of seminary and I, I was praying over whether I should continue and actually decided that I shouldn't continue in seminary. And at the same time that I felt God clo closing the door on seminary, I felt him reopening the door uh, for me with music. And so my do for like the, the emphasis of, kind of living missionally for this season of life became getting back involved in the Nashville music scene and just being a better uh, fan and supporter of the artists here, being a more present um, attender of concerts and just being out there in the scene. And I decided that as a fellow musician, it would be nice to have a few songs to point to and say like, Hey, I like music. I do music too. You know, I'm, I'm with you. I'm one of you. And here's like a song or two that I'm actually proud of. Um, so around that time, you know, as I follow a few different music labels and stuff, uh, Tooth and Nail announced their latest signing at the time, a band called Empty Isles, which is a very yeah, Copeland, yeah, a very Copeland number one gun ish style band, but kind of in a more modern synthy sense. Heard his first single and saw that he was listed as a um, a Nashville producer and songwriter. And I loved his song and kind of immediately thought like, hey, this is what I would like my stuff to sound like. So I hit him up, found out if his music was self-produced, and it was. So then talked to him about uh, what, you know, if he records local artists and how much he charges and stuff. And so we decided that we were going to hunker down and record three songs. So this was all about a year ago. Uh, so 
I sent him some demos I had. He handpicked one song that he wanted to do. I then picked a second song to do. And for the third song, I decided to write something brand new. And that brand new song that I ended up bringing to the table was Matter. Yeah, so uh, Matter itself was just me kind of sitting down with ideas that I'd been collecting over the kind of month or two leading up to the recording sessions. And I was like, okay, I love this guitar part. I love this lyric. I love this melody. I love this drum part. Let's see if they all work together. <laughs> and so I pieced all those things together, and they did work. And once I once those four things kind of congealed, so to speak, just the rest of the song just kind of flowed very naturally out of it, other than the lyrics, um, which the lyrics took like the next month of um, kind of figuring out what I wanted to say and how I wanted to say it. Mm -hmm. Um, a few different drafts of uh, what the song was about. And the final version of the song is mostly about um, just how it it's worth it to dedicate and, so to, so to speak, like waste time on relationships and on the mm -hmm. important people in your life rather than um, devoting yourself to the goals and dreams and aspirations you have that you would need to do alone. And that while you might have to sacrifice some dreams in order to dedicate yourself to those relationships, um, you now have a new partner in, you know, them supporting your dreams, you supporting their dreams, or the two of you coming up with new dreams and goals together. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of like about investing in something that has eternal value almost like you could invest Absolutely. in just material things, but they're just going to fade away. But if you invest in a person, then that person will continue on to eternity. I mean, at least <laughs> we hope, right? Right. Uh, the, you know, I think the Christian worldview imbues everything with worth, mm -hmm. but nothing with more worth than, you know, people, right. um, you know, that Christians and non-Christians alike are image bearers of God. Um, and then in, a, in another sense, Christians are kind of image bearers of Christ. Right. Uh, so like that importance for all of us should outweigh um, the goals that we have for careers mm -hmm. or advancement or, um, you know, hobbies and pursuits. And uh, yeah, so it kind of th th there's very much a a marriage or dating relationship mm -hmm. sense to, to matter and its focus because I found a lot of inspiration for the lyrics out of looking at the marriage of my brother. Um, but I also wanted it to have kind of those connotations or relatability just to all human relationships right. and the fact that, um, you don't need to achieve anything in order to have the worth that God has already implanted within you. Yeah. And, I kind of think I kind of got that out of the the music video, the way you kind of recorded it, like you in front of a couple. Um, mm -hmm. And then you also mentioned your brother there, and that that's actually a great segue to the question I was about to ask. So you released it as a split single with your brother. Um, yes, I've actually written a little bit recently about how I think that um, going with like a, a double single, like a A side B side kind of vinyl feel, is like a really great thing to kind of try and bring back but I really hadn't thought much about doing like a split single with another artist. Can you tell me like what, what was your thought process on that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I will be frank in saying that the original idea was sort of self-serving 
in that like it's so much easier to promote my brother's material mm -hmm. than it is to self-promote my own material. So when I had this idea, it was like, oh, cool. I can promote my brother's <laughs> single and then they can hear my song too. Right. Um, but it, it ended up, when I talked to my brother about it and we figured out what songs we were going to do, Matter was kind of an easy first single choice for me. Um, but he's been working on a bunch of different singles and the song that he had ready and mixed and mastered first ended up being a really cool conceptual pair to Matter. Um, his song Night and Day is um, very much of a similar um, tone and lyrical basis, even though it's a completely different genre mm -hmm. and a completely different like instrument set. And he's such, he's a very different vocalist than I am. So I think they fit together and contrast in, in really cool ways that, and he was also down with doing this, the single release because it's just as brothers, um, you know, we love supporting each other and what, it, what we do together. And most of the music that we've made over the past 15 years has been together in some fashion. Um, so this is a really neat way for us to kind of start off our solo careers, so to speak, um, giving each other that boost and that support. Right. Um, because uh, this is the very first time that either one of us has released music under our own actual names. Right. Uh, I was going to say, I just think it's a, a great idea. You know, I see artists a lot now doing... Um, uh, featured vocalists and stuff as a way to kind of help promote their music, get somebody else on there. So I think the idea of doing a split e uh, single or even an EP or album or whatever is a kind of the same idea of let's pull our resources together to help each other promote our music. And uh, you know, yeah. I, I just, that's something I haven't seen a whole lot yet. So I give you some creative credit there. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and it's yeah, go ahead. And just to go off of that and kind of what I said earlier about, um, it's what I'm hoping to accomplish like here in the Nashville scene is that I think in, in both like a, like this can seem kind of like self-serving, but the, the way that I, I really mean it um, is that I would much rather people like find my music because I was promoting other people's music right. than just because I'm promoting my music all the time. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, people discovering the Chase Tremaine solo music because I reviewed a friend's album on my website or because I'm supporting a friend's live performances out at a concert rather than me like paying for Facebook ads or, mm -hmm. you know, spamming people. <laughs> um, and I want, I'm trying to, uh, I'm keeping a very like concerted, making a very concerted effort to keep that ideal alive as I move into releasing a full-length album, because obviously I did decide to expand the three songs I recorded at the end of 2018 into a full-length album. Mm -hmm. So that might seem like my priorities have changed, <laughs> um, but there's there's definitely like a mixture there. So you've mentioned Nashville a couple of times now. How do you feel like uh, being in Nashville has impacted your music? Because I know you originally said you were from Texas, I think, in your bio. Mm -hmm. uh, do, do you feel like the, the change has also made any change on your music and how you, what, what you're going for? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been hard over the years to drill down like what music I want to make. Um, and I think for the very first time I'm making the music that comes most naturally to me. 
genre wise mm-hmm. rather than trying to write a specific style, like trying to go pop or trying to go Christian or doing something trendy or, you know, mixing in synths like unnecessarily or kind of beyond my natural preferences or natural um, kind of writing style. And some of that just comes from seeing an emo scene and a pop punk scene in Nashville that's growing in really exciting ways and having made friends and become fans of some really cool bands that are here in in Nashville, kind of keeping that alive. And it's funny. Uh, so while I've lived here, I've seen both Thrice and My Epic say on stage at a Nashville concert that they used to avoid going to Nashville because they would try to play a show in Nashville and no one would show up. And now bands like Thrice and My Epic can come through and sell out their venue. I mean, of course, different sized venues, but still. Right. Um, because there's just a different audience here. And, you know, Nashville's grown from being the country music capital of the world or the Christian music capital of the world to um, this thriving scene of, of dive bars and underground venues and house shows for all these different genres. And um, I think there was a there was a comfort there for me to just be able to do anything and to do what I really want to do when I'm being as honest and forthright as I want to be um, instead of feeling like I need to do a specific genre. And that also ties into why my brother and I moved here to begin with, um, because as much as we are thankful for our Texas upbringing and everything that happened back in the Texas music scene, um, I really do feel like... Uh, to, to get anywhere in the Dallas-Fort Worth music scene, you kind of have to do one of three genres. Mm-hmm. Um, metal music, folk Americana music, or kind of club dance DJ music. Um, and I'm just never going to do any of those. <laughs> okay, so let's talk a little bit about your upcoming album. Uh, mm-hmm. It's called Unfall. Yes. Is that a real word? Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, when I first started using it, I wasn't thinking of it as a real word. Um, the closing track on the album, which I, I don't think I've actually announced this anywhere yet, but the closing track is titled Unfallen Lovethable, um, as in the sense that you are incapable of anyone else falling in love with you. Um, and I love the title uh, and kind of just coming up with that word is, is where the entire song stemmed from. And in writing that song, it was almost like naturally like this is the closing track. And then in recording the song and finishing the song, it like became my favorite thing on the record. It's, it's really exciting. Um, but being such like a long mouthful of an unreal word of a title. Right. Um, I often called it unfall for shorthand. Um, when I started thinking about that shorthand, uh, I kind of enjoyed the the connotations or the different interpretations you could have from it and the ways that it played into other themes on the album. Uh, like to undo the fall or to pretend that the you know Genesis 3 fall didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but what really sealed the deal on me selecting unfall as the album title because I actually did have a different working title um, 
was when I just Googled it and realized something that I used to know back when I was in college as a German minor, but had since forgotten because I never practice anymore, is that Unfall, spelled exactly the same, is the German word for accident. Um, and accident was going to be in the old album title because the old album title was going to be a reference to my old band, Ours by Accident. Um, and so that's been playing into the music that I've been doing for seven or eight years now. Um, as that theme of accident has just crept up over and over again. And just that weird, um, sense of kind of wrestling with God's sovereignty and being like, I, I can mentally agree with the fact that God is in control of everything that God plans everything, but that doesn't change the experience of everything feeling like coincidence, everything feeling like accident and me pointing to the music I'm making now or the friends I have now or the church I go to now, or even the city that I go to now and thinking like so many things were random or accidental or by chance. So, um, who's, who produced the album? Yeah. So Zach Lardy, uh, of empty aisles. Mm -hmm. He, uh, when we did the three songs together, um, at the end of 2018 and early 2019, um, we got along really well and he, I really enjoyed how he was bringing my vision to life and the ways that he was able to very like gently and patiently push me toward better performances. Mm -hmm. And, um, he also has a really wonderful collection of analog synths and he's able to, uh, you know, even though he's not like an electric guitarist primarily, um, he, uh, he had good like amps and pedals to help me get to the tones that I was wanting to find for each song. And, uh, it was just a really good experience. Um, so without a doubt, I went back to him, uh, to record the final seven songs, Cool. which also like, I know a lot of pop, singers uh have different producers for all right. their songs on an album but I, I don't think that really works for a rock band yeah um, so it, it was it was kind of necessary that if i was going to do a one full cohesive album uh that it would all be with the same producer yeah um, no, it makes but, perfect yeah. sense yeah I, I love him i love his music uh his album for when you need me uh that came out earlier this year um so working with him has just been a, a joy and he uh he will also get writing credits on two of the songs. Um, and he played a good uh, amount of the uh, piano that's on the album. I know that you also uh, put the albums or put some of the songs out there to get kind of feedback and stuff on them throughout the writing process. How did that go? Ah, yes. The album focus group. Um, so again, going back to the idea that I don't want music to be about me and mm -hmm. I don't want it to be like a, a, a loner, isolated, individualistic experience. Um, and, that, and that's an ironic thing to say when we're talking about what is essentially a one-man band in an album where almost every instrument, almost all the time, is me. Um, so when I started toying with the idea of expanding the three-song EP to a 10-song album, I decided that I didn't want to make those decisions alone. Um, so we had three songs. Um, the first single, Matter. The second song, Worth the Wait, which uh, is available as a 
free download for supporters of my Kickstarter, which I'm sure we'll get to soon. And then the third one, Lonely Saints, which was released previously on the Jesus Freak Hideout free sampler that came out in August. Mm -hmm. If you go there to the website right now, it's still probably on the front page. 62 almost basically great songs across the board. No, it was a great um, selection. <laughs> yeah, I, I really loved listening to the whole thing, and I just happened to be among it. Um, but I'm not personally doing much to promote that my appearance there because I think uh, the version of Lonely Saints that appears on the album will be slightly different. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I knew that Matter was the main direction I wanted to go in, that Worth the Wait was going to be kind of the oddball of the album and that Lonely Saints was going to be the main ballad of the album and that I wanted the other seven tracks to be as much in the realm of matter as possible. And so the wrong way to go about that would be to try to mechanically write seven more matters. Right. Um, but what I decided to do instead was to collect all the songs from my past, um, past few years that, uh, were most in line with matter, um, musically. And it ended up being about 13 songs. And I shared that with a album focus group of people that I collected who were interested in giving feedback on the songs and helping me pick um, the songs that they liked the most and the songs that they thought fit together the best. And there was a hilarious amount of um, congruency of opinion and agreement uh, when I started getting feedback from people. Um, about which songs to use, which songs not to use. And so very quickly it became clear that there were six songs uh, out of the 13 that should definitely be used. I was thinking I would go back and record six songs, see if those nine felt like a full album, and if not, return later and do another three songs, mm -hmm. make it a 12-song album. At the time, I was working with a system of threes that I thought I would stick to, um, but instead... Uh, the unfall and lovable incident happened around this time. And I realized as I wrote that song's chorus that I wanted that to be the seventh song. Um, so I, I was now going into the studio with six songs handpicked by the focus group and this one new song that I was writing, which gave it a really nice mirror to the mm -hmm. first session. There were two songs that were picked and then one song written and I was returning to the studio with six songs picked and one song written. Uh, so in one sense, while the album has a handful of songs that are newer than Matter, Matter and Unfall are the only two songs that were written for the album. And the rest were picked with the help of people, whether the producer or my brother, friends, people in the industry. Um, and then I also got to get feedback from those people um, on things that they thought like didn't click about the songs or like lyrics that didn't make sense, uh, things that felt incomplete. Uh, so there was a lot of changes that I was challenged to make to the songs as well. And I could really fight like, you know, you're right. Like I did kind of phone that bridge in or you're right. I did just kind of make a line that rhymed rather than truly adding meaning to the song. Um, so I got to go into the, these recording sessions really making sure I was putting in my best and playing only drum parts that were right for the song and guitar riffs that were right for the song and lyrics that were right for the song. 
Um, so a lot of editing and rewriting that went into it that I'm really glad happened. And I, you know, some of these songs have been out in the world in different forms, whether, um, like old Ars by Accident EPs or when I would just like record demos and send them to people for free. Uh, but everything on the album will be new in a different sense of just all the rewrites that have happened and in studio decisions we made Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Well, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about the Kickstarter campaign you mentioned, uh, then we'll wrap up. So, uh, I know you're doing a Kickstarter campaign, but it's not really to fund the album because you've already finished the album. I've picked that up so far. It's to uh, be able to release the album in a physical format. Why do you feel so passionate about wanting to release the album on CD? Yeah, I I love CDs. Um, And partially my love of CDs isn't just because I have a bad collecting problem, um, but... Uh, primarily that I love the album as a format. Mm -hmm. I love artists who are really thinking about the full, you know, 10 song or 12 song experience. And that doesn't have to be a concept album. That doesn't have to be something that tells a story or where the songs see seamlessly from one into the next. It just needs to be a, a collection that has thought into it that, you know, it came out of a certain season of someone's life or, it builds upon certain musical themes or certain lyrical themes or just in the most general sense where you listen to the whole thing and you have the, this experience that the sum is greater than the parts. Um, that is how I listen to music. That is how I love music. My car is overflowing with CDs and my bedroom is overflowing <laughs> with CDs because this is how I think of music. I, I've always written single songs in terms of how they might fit with others and belong to others. Um, and while, you know, we are in a streaming world today and a playlist world and a single world, um, I, I've made this album very much with album intentions in the art form sense and CDs. Can I give you a reason to listen to it? in the way that it was created to be. Mm-hmm. So if I ever get songs on a playlist, if someone ever discovers me from a playlist or because they saw a video on YouTube, that's great. And for the people out there who don't care about the albums, I would still love for them to hear my songs. And that's fine too. Um, but for the people who want to know like the, the fullness of what I made and why, a CD kind of gets you to listen to all the songs in order. Um, and I just... For me, like having like the physical, the physical copy is just kind of a seal. It seals the deal on just mm-hmm. like the realness of it. No, that makes um, total sense. However, like you said, I did, like I, I self-funded the album. That was very intentional. I have always viewed this as an investment, and I'm not necessarily looking for a financial monetary return on it. Mm-hmm. However, um, I made the mistake five or so years ago of uh, me and some friends making an album that I was just very overzealous for at the time. And I uh, was like, I've made the greatest concept album of all time. And it wasn't. (laughs) And like, and I don't want to say the producer's name because he's really great now. Mm -hmm. And at the time he just, life got crazy. He had to abandon the project. 
Um, and uh, so my brother had to finish it. My brother and I finished the album in house. So the mixing is all over the place. The production's all over the place. Um, and the songs are kind of cheesy and it's, it's just a very weird listen, but I was so proud of it at the time that I spent well over a thousand dollars getting a thousand copies of it made <laughs> about 800 of which are still sitting in my room collecting dust. Um, so that specifically was an investment that I didn't want to make again right. because I recognize that we're in the streaming world and that, you know, a lot of people no longer have laptops or cars with built in CD players. Um, so the idea of the Kickstarter was to see whether the interest would be there and if I could get enough pre-orders in uh, to merit or really to pay up front for CDs to be made in bulk. Uh, and if, uh, if the Kickstarter were to not succeed, then that would, I would just take that not as a sign that people don't care, but as a sign that people just don't want the CDs anymore. Mm-hmm. However, the Kickstarter has already <laughs> succeeded. Yeah, I saw um, that. Yeah, it's really exciting. Um, there's still plenty of time left. The Kickstarter doesn't end until November 5th. Mm-hmm. And I have some exciting stretch goals and a lot of cool, in my opinion, perks to the different reward tiers yeah, that will be like exclusive to the Kickstarter. Tell us a little bit about the what you can get when you back this Kickstarter. Yeah. Um, so for, uh, for the most basic tier of like $5 plus shipping, You'll get the new CD, but also um, just a, like a bunch of CDs of older music, most of which I'm actually still really proud of. Um, and a lot of it's stuff that I made with my brother. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, over the years, I've been his guitarist, his bassist, his drummer. Um, so there's a lot, a lot of gold back there. Um, move up to ten dollars plus shipping, uh, and you will receive two additional versions of the album. One will be a demos version where you can mm-hmm. hear all the old versions of the song and a commentary edition that I wasn't going to make or release to anyone unless this Kickstarter succeeded. So I'm really excited about this part where it'll be like full length, like right. for each four minute song, I'll be talking over an instrumental of the song, giving you background information on the writing, recording and meaning of the song. It's really cool. Um, and then the highest tier is 45 plus shipping is uh, there's something I've been doing for a few years now that I really love um, and has been really rewarding is writing personalized songs for people. Um, and that's songs that like you get to choose what it's about. You get to choose kind of what style or feel the song is in. And then I write it for you. Uh, and I've done songs to like memorialize certain events or to more memorialize inside jokes. I've made songs as birthday gifts and wedding presents, anniversary presents, gag gifts. Uh, and I've done them in the style of like Foo Fighters, NWA, Britney Spears, Kendrick Lamar. Um, and then also like artists more in line with kind of what I do, like uh, Wonder Years, Motion City Soundtrack. Um, and it's just been really fun, really rewarding. And so what I'm offering with the Kickstarter is technically the cheapest that uh, those personalized songs have ever gone by. Um, so those have gone pretty fast and the selling of those is one of the things that helped the, uh, the Kickstarter to get funded so quickly. Um, but being that it is already funded, uh, I, I have really cool plans to, uh, if we double the original goal and 
get from 1500 to 3000 then that extra $1,500 is going to go right back into the album to get it remixed and remastered as an instrumental album. Uh, that just based on how I've written these songs and how they'll sound when like the vocals are removed and other elements are brought up, um, I think it'll work as a really cool kind of like post-rock album. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and then right now I'm also tinkering with uh, the best ways I can steward people's money if we land somewhere in between, right? Like if we don't reach 3000, you know, what can I do with the extra 500 or $1,000 that's been raised? Uh, so I'm looking at, um, options of like maybe a, a music video or like a low budget music video mm-hmm. or getting some tracks recorded acoustically or, um, going all out with the, uh, CD packaging and lyric booklet and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, so those are other things that could potentially happen just depending on how much money ends up getting raised by the end of the process. Cool. So, uh, for anybody that wants to find this Kickstarter campaign and continue with your musical journey, where do they go to find you online? Yeah. The best places to do to be, to go, (laughs) uh, would be, um, I mean, straight up, you can just add me on Facebook, Chase Tremaine, fine with that. Uh, You can follow me on Instagram at Chase Tremaine, or you can go to chasetremaine.com. Uh, that will be a, a cool thing to do is that will be the easiest way to get updates, mm-hmm. to find links to things. And then you can get to keep up with all the reviews uh, that I write for other albums and concerts as well. Um, but Instagram might be the easiest just for the way that most right. people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're already nowadays. going there anyway. So <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, thank you, Chase, for taking time to do an interview and uh, anything else you'd like Absolutely. to say? Uh, no, I super appreciate this. Uh, it, it was Really cool to see just matter listed on the uh, new releases list that you do for October 4th. And, uh, you know, January cannot come soon enough for me to get this album out. Cool. Looking forward to it. Thanks. Thank you.